You're listening to Why We Do What We Do. All right, welcome to Why We Do What We Do. I am going to be your manipulative host, Abraham. And I'm going to be your incredibly emotional co-host, Shane. Excellent. Mm -hmm. So before we jump into this topic, I want to remind everyone that if you like this episode, if you like this show, if you like us, or if you are just really trying to find a place to put some of your money, consider investing in us. Join us on Patreon. Yeah. We have all these new tiers. This is sort of a a soft promotion for the the new tier system that we have, the new levels of supporter Mm -hmm. that you can be starting as low as $1 a month at the armchair psychologist level mm-hmm. and going all the way up through undergraduate research participant, budding behaviorist, mentalist master, behavioral ninja, and so on. Those are levels at which you can join on anything in between, of course. It really helps us out, helps the show, and you get all these cool perks for doing so. So also, if you are listening to this and you have not yet subscribed or following us on whatever platform that you access your podcast, please consider doing so so that we are always in your ear. And if you ever don't want to listen to an episode, you can just skip it and get the next one. But hey, if you subscribe, then that means you always have a choice. And if you don't subscribe, then you're taking away your own choice. Yeah. And you know, choice is important. Choice is. is important for everybody. We just went in and, and, and retooled some of the tiers and those levels. And, and so we had a lot of fun with it, but we are producing quite a bit of content for those folks. It's not like, uh, oh, it's a one and done thing. It is quite a bit of like monthly content for folks who are subscribers to those various tiers. So definitely check it out. Yeah. Videos, bonus episodes, uncut episodes, early releases, notes, links, discounts on merch, all kinds of cool things. So in all of this, we are actually inadvertently, this was not on purpose, (laughs) but this is actually leading into our topic. So before we get there, though, I want you to consider you're listening. You've already made the right choice by listening. So thank you for being Mm -hmm. here and congratulations on finding your way to this episode. And what if I told you that 99 out of 100 murderers explicitly said not to listen to why we do what we do wouldn't you agree that you want to not be in agreement with the murderers and you should instead listen to this podcast think about that i think that's a quite a an argument i don't know how i'd respond to that i know you're kind of stuck right mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a moral gray area abraham <laughs> i don't know how we How could you disagree with 99 murderers? What about that one murderer that agrees with you? Shh. We don't don't talk about that person. So obviously just joking, but we are using this strategy, this thing called emotional marketing. And that's what we're talking about in this episode. We're going to talk about what it is, how it works, different strategies that are employed, the goals of emotional marketing really going to try and unpack this topic such that we there's a clear understanding of, hey, when you're out in the world, when you're out in a place that is conveniently very, very pro-capitalism, you're probably going to be inundated by some amount of emotional marketing where people are like trying to get you to do stuff that you might not otherwise be trying to do. So that's our topic for today. So let's go ahead and start to dig into what it is. And this is a direct quote, but this is going to kind of start to explain what emotional marketing is. Now, marketing and advertising efforts 
that primarily use emotion to make your audience notice, remember, share and buy. Those are different types of emotional marketing methods. Now, emotional marketing typically taps into a singular emotion like happiness, sadness, anger or fear to elicit a consumer response, end quote. So kind of like the unequipped gym teacher in Mean Girls once said, don't have sex because you will get pregnant and die. Right. So it taps into fear here, right? So this is kind of what emotional marking does. It taps into these singular, these emotional, these emotions, these identified emotions, and it gets the consumer to do things. Exactly right. So let's bring it back to our friends, our old friends, the Greeks, not the gangsters from The Wire season two, which PSA from Alan, you will watch (laughs) The Wire if you want to fit in. You want to fit in, don't you? Uh, yeah, uh, Alan has become progressively more aggressive in his notes. We are worried about him lately. <laughs> there are a lot of PSAs from Alan in this episode. If I were to guess what Alan's favorite TV show is, based solely on the number of times that it's referenced when he helps us write notes, <laughs> it would definitely be The Wire. Yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, we're talking about the ancient Greeks. A la the times of Aristotle. Or circa Aristotle. Aristotle. The Aristotle-ness. How would Bill and Ted say this, maybe? Aristotle. I don't know. They, yeah, because they call Socrates Socrates, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they had a few terms for persuading an audience depicted in spirolytics as a triangle showing the three rhetorical appeals, which are logos, ethos, and pathos. Logos, a way of convincing your audience using facts and figures. This is kind of the scientific way, if you will. Ethos, the use of authority or credibility, which is already a logical fallacy, but, you know, sort of uh, listen to me. I'm a doctor. Listen to me. I'm mm-hmm. a scientist. Listen to me. I'm a expert personality. Yeah. Influencer. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. An influencer. <laughs> listen to me. I'm part of the, the, the Paul family. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, um, no. <laughs> and then pathos appealing to the emotion, persuading through the use of an emotional response or trigger which may incite feelings of happiness, anger, guilt, etc. PSA, call your mother. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It immediately jumps out to me the fact that, like, if you're watching something, the news, something adjacent to the news, where it's like on a news channel, but it's the opinion piece sort of thing, and you find that you're having an emotional reaction to that, you're probably being manipulated in some way Mm -hmm. by this very same tactic. Just just food for thought. Yeah, yeah. So let's go ahead and dig into this a little bit. Now, Lagos is Greek for logic and representative of the, quote, facts, research, and other message elements that provide proof or evidence to, to a claim, end quote. So this is going to involve convincing your audience that whatever message you're sending is well-researched and based in empiricism, essentially making it very credible. Now, a couple PSAs. If you heard it in a Facebook or Twitter thread, it's not Lagos. So it's Logo, fuck yourself, read a book, read an article, educate yourself properly. So that's that's what that is, not actual logos. Also, I have to make a note. We have been progressively more profanity laden in the last like month and a half, two months. So we what's going on with us? We we we're trying, folks. We're trying. We have uh, we've obliged Justin, our editor, to have to use the the swear bleep quite a bit more than normal. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, we're doing our best. We're doing our best in the circumstances. Give us a break. So, Because we're getting emotional, you know? We are, we are. And the other PSA that Alan shares is, yes, COVID vaccines were expedited, but have lots of promising research so far with very low risk. If you're worried about long-term effects of the vaccine, anything is possible. 
But we're seeing some pretty nasty effects, uh, long-term effects from the COVID post-infection. Uh, so we're seeing a lot of those other events as well. So pick your poison, folks. Life is one big risk assessment, but COVID and social restrictions sound way worse. And we are planning, we are planning an episode on the vaccine hesitancy thing. And then when we have, we have an episode in the can already about the anti-vax movement and sort of the history of that and how it's related to the discussion that people have had around autism. So that one is, uh, it's been a long time coming. Hopefully we'll get Mm -hmm. it done this year. (laughs) Yeah. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. All right. And then the second one we mentioned, ethos, this is Greek for ethics, refers to the way a spokesperson or presenter's effectiveness is related to their established credibility. Again, listen to me because I'm from the Paul family <laughs> or listen to me. I was on Duck Dynasty sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Or I don't know if you uh, were watching the news recently, but there was one at the time that we're recording this. That was the guy who has moved to, to like different states to try and run as a political on, on a political campaign, I think for Congress. And like started in New Jersey, then went to Nevada and now is in Texas. And every time sort of rebrands himself to sort of fit in with whatever he thinks the culture is in that location. Uh-huh. I mean, it's sort of a similar thing. Like, yeah. Hey, like I've got these Nevada roots and I, I'm all for gambling and I'm this whatever. Um, point being <laughs> <laughs> the like trying to lean on the, like I'm from here I understand what you need and I can represent you even though he's not from here at all. Yeah, yeah. But doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. That's just the emotional marketing of the ethos part, the trying to establish credibility. And again, might involve things like great wealth, extensive education, credentials, licensing, work experience, age, celebrity status. Apparently now it can be the opposite of those things. Like my credentials are that I am not experienced. I am new to this. I don't know. It's it seems yeah. like the this has broadened out beyond from even just experience equals good candidacy right 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 yeah like kind of like separating yourself from it to be like like i'm an outsider looking in and seeing a problem so it does beg the question does this mean that asher roth can't tell you what college to go to and paris hilton can sell one video really well but can't save blockbuster (laughs) and maybe chuck norris fitness equipment isn't the best and hertz rental cars aren't reliable just because oj simpson says so and Jared Fogle doesn't represent all overweight folks. Hmm. Those are questions to ask within this, right? I know these are questions we ask ourselves. Keep us up at night. You know, I don't know that I've ever asked any of these questions. <laughs> I feel like this is just as we go through these notes again, we just need to check on Alan. Alan, are you okay? Do you need something? Or Alan is just kind of prepping his stand-up career is what he's doing here. Either way, we support him. So (laughs) pathos is how an audience feels about a message. So that may make you feel excited, sad, angry, motivated, jealous, anything to make you act a particular way afterwards. You're basically trying to trigger or elicit some kind of emotion in you and get you to respond or kind of like galvanize you towards something, some kind of action. So like, depending on who you ask, you better get your ass to the voting booths ASAP because Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell are coming to your door. Yes, you. And they're going to take all your drugs, all your guns, all your kids, and nobody is getting another stimulus check. Hashtag unity. Also, PSA, if you believe any of the above, just because we said it, you've got some bad sources. So (laughs) we're not that reputable for that type of thing. Also, PSA, do you smoke? No. You want to be cool, right? You should start smoking. (laughs) All the cool kids are doing it. Just kidding. Don't. It's not cool. Even candy cigarettes suck. 
they taste like fondant that's old and stale. Yeah. <laughs> Drink White Claw. There's like 9 million flavors now. And uh, it, uh, <laughs> you want to fit in the summer, right? <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, also, not supporting White Claw. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's not. Let's not. What's the phrase? White Claw is the law? I haven't heard it. I don't know. But I'm. I'm not really a big White Claw party fanboy. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm too old for that thing. Maybe I'm an outsider looking in. Yeah. Your your PBR, <laughs> PBR all the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. PBR is the worst. Oh, <laughs> I'm too bougie for that. I've learned. I'm like, I can't do cheap beer. I've learned. I've learned that in my life. So. Give me that Michelob Ultra. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Natty Ice, baby. Natty, natty Ice. So we're trying to get those really bad advertisements so with all those rhetorical appeals in mind the best of the best in the business of advertising like Mad Men, spend their days crafting ad campaigns be it for magazine spreads tv commercials or internet clickbait in order to elicit a particular emotion so what are their goals in this yeah so according to nick kalenda who has written three books on essentially the psychology of marketing is how he describes it And he outlines the three goals of emotional marketing. There is cultivating a perception, influencing behavior, and maximizing an experience. And so the cultivating perception is essentially branding. This is trying to build familiarity with some kind of prompt or cue, which is to say to try and build this familiarity with symbols, even colors and shapes, slogans, jingles, as multimodal as possible, you know, iconic shaped merchandise, iconic colors, logos, you know, whenever I hear the word liberty now I immediately just say liberty, liberty, liberty. liberty. And, yeah. <laughs> and Liberty Mutual is extremely happy that that's my reaction to that cuz that's that's just good branding. I don't even know what they do, but it works. <laughs> so you've got branding, right? Like where if if you go on why we do what we do's Instagram, you'll see purple, pink and like a teal green color. That's in in black and in some of that stuff too, and that's our, some of our branding. And then it influences your behavior or purchases. So some things that we do, not us, but just in general, these businesses will they'll they'll motivate decisions toward or away from certain products, right? So they'll engage you, they'll brand a certain way, and it will move you towards those behaviors to actually engage, right? Or to say, don't go to this product. You don't want you don't want that thing. Yeah, you want this thing instead. There's definitely an appeal to de- like deciding one over another as part of this yeah as part of the influence and behavior and then the third thing as i said is maximizing an experience which really has to do with trying to increase the frequency with which you consume right and you consume a specific product yeah possibly by pairing or increasing the magnitude of the sort of acknowledgement the reward the calling you out for being such a good person for purchasing their product sort of thing Mm -hmm. they companies will invest an enormous amount of money and making you feel good and certain about a purchase that you made. They sort of see it through all the, uh, from beginning to end. They, they're going to market to try and get you in the door. They're going to try and sell you on the highest value product. Once you're in the door, mm-hmm. they're going to try and reassure you and make you feel great about that decision once you're out the door. And then hopefully if that whole experience is positive, you'll come back and do it again. And they will just keep running you through that cycle as much as possible. Again, to an extent, oftentimes manipulating your emotions, be it with fear, be it with a sense of, I don't know, missing out inclusiveness. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like you, you can be on the, you can be with the in crowd with us here sort of thing. 
Yeah, there's a lot they kind of do within that. And it's pretty it's pretty scary how powerful it is. Yeah. We've all been subject to it on some level because we, you know, depending on when these ads catch us or is pretty incredible the power this holds. Yeah. Yeah. They really figured out. And I think, you know, it's difficult to even apply any kind of qualifier to this other than like it's not ideal ever to be manipulated, but it also makes perfect sense that they would eventually land on something that's as effective as this yeah. as their tool because the like their bottom line is make money. The bottom line is reach people. The bottom line is, you know, whatever the mission statement is, like they're going to use this is an ends justify the means sort of thing for a lot of people. But in addition to that, there might be really positive campaigns where they're trying to lean on your emotions to have you participate in a campaign that ultimately is the better for the betterment of yourself, for your community, for the world at large. And so it's just another tool that can be used well and it can be used insidiously. Mm -hmm. I think probably it's used insidiously a lot, but I think where I start to draw the line is I really, really do not. I have a hard time sympathizing with, with groups that use fear as their emotion. Like they're trying to scare you into doing something that seems to me like a very fine line between that and actual terrorism. Yeah. You know, this is, it's like, it's the propaganda that is the, the line between what they're doing and then actual terrorism. I've been thinking about that too. Is like, that is very coercive. That is right. very like, that becomes a significant problem. But then when you see like Sarah McLaughlin singing about puppies, then you're like, then you're, you're, you're sparked into action. It's like, what are you supposed to do when you hear that song? It's sadness. It's dead. That is full on sadness. Right. But that's emotional marketing. Like now I can't hear that song without pairing it with sad puppies. (laughs) And so if if Alan didn't include a Sarah McLaughlin quote in here, I'm going to be upset. So (laughs) let's take a second though. Let's, let's scale this back a little bit and let's talk about what are emotions, because I think that this is something that we've touched on a few times on the show and we've kind of either talked about it directly or we've maybe had some, some discussions around it. So, right. But the point is, is it's, a fairly controversial topic in that there's not really a great agreed upon definition or explanation for what it is. Now, behaviorally, we could best describe it as like a pattern or particular behavior that that we've attached some kind of meaning to, like people who would we would say are sad, engage in crying. Maybe they don't engage in social behavior. They're despondent. They have low rates of exercise. Like you might account for all these things where happy people or happy folks might be more social. They might be more professionally engaged. They might seek engagement. And now these are this is an arbitrary discussion. Like this is not like, these are not like scientific indicators of right. what is sad and what is happy. Yeah. But the, neither of these patterns of behavior are reliable for the emotion itself. We can't use these patterns of behaviors to be able to say, this is explicitly what sad is. This is explicitly what happy is. It's tricky because there's no way of confirming, you know, what these emotions are. It seems like they can be cultural. There are cultures that have names for emotions that we don't really talk about in Western culture and Western culture might have emotions that aren't talked about in other cultures and how to define it, how to label it, how to identify it, how to measure it, how many emotions are there? What are are there like core emotions? You know, everyone sort of tries to draw a line in the sand and it's tough, but it's also beyond the scope of this conversation really to dig into what emotions are beyond the movie Inside Out, which was dead on. Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Only five. Yeah. No, it, it's a really fun movie. I really enjoy it. It is not science. They tried. They think they did a pretty good job, but it's still it's not quite it's not quite enough. So, you know, when we try to explain something like Mvuki which is the irresistible urge to shuck off your clothes when you dance or killig, which is the jittery fluttering feeling you get as you talk to someone you fancy. It's hard to pin down specifically what 
that emotion might be. And and those are specific terms that we don't really have good explanations for, right? Because those are maybe culturally bound. There is one that's starting to get more attention in Western culture, which is called schadenfreude, which we brought up in our episode on apologizing. This is the the feeling of satisfaction you get when watching someone, when seeing someone else have bad things happen to them. <laughs> Moving on to, or I guess coming back to Nick Kalenda. So this, this behavioral marketer, author, blogger, dude, he suggests that each emotion exists on the spectrum. Of course, that there's going to be you know similar shades of color. They're different across people. They look different and how you sort of demonstrate your emotions are going to be different. I don't want to say it's not an exact science, but essentially what I'm saying is because we can't clearly define what they are, we can only really try and evoke a very specific type of reaction using a fairly narrow band of sort of stimuli or presentation. To kind of illustrate this a little bit in a different way, like I think of Dead Poet Society when Robin Williams talks about like using language and describing emotions and how you can go from being like, you don't say you're very tired. The word very is lazy, right? Lazy. Right? So you say, you say exhausted. You don't say, you know, very happy. You say elated. You use these words that are like descriptors of like varying degrees and intensity of these emotions. And that to me makes sense when we use languaging to describe emotions is that it is varied. It is spectrumed. It is. There are these shades and hues that it's it's hard to pin down an exact specific emotion without talking about the intensity or the or the kind of the other things that go along with it. Oh, captain, my captain. <laughs> <laughs> that was a, that was a good segue. That was an example of a good segue. That was good. Yeah, All right. You nailed that. <laughs> so let's talk about, again, leaning into essentially how emotions affect our behavior. One way of thinking about this is that when you have these emotions that are unpleasant, sadness, fear, anger, that sort of things, that that essentially is going to really focus our attention on something is one argument that that is sort of made about this. Whereas the the joy, happiness, encouragement, success, those emotions sort of broaden our attention to things. Yeah. So for example, if your child is missing, you might find it difficult to focus on much else. Yeah. This is like the, you have the rock in your shoe while you're walking and it's like, I'm not even listening to what's going on right now. I just want to get this rock out of my shoe sort of thing. Yeah. And I think you could make many arguments about how accurate this is and probably come up with anecdotes that are, that counteract this. But this is sort of the idea in marketing is, is they look at these emotions in this way. And this kind of reminds us of a previous episode that that we had had where we spoke of a Princeton study correlating income levels to day to day happiness. So as a quick refresher, the study determined that an income of seventy five thousand dollars was found to be a threshold at which one could safely cover daily living expenses such as shelter, food, transportation and all of those things. Now, below that presented a struggle and above it was merely luxury addition. So the point of all of that was, is if you're struggling to make ends meet and don't know where the next meal is, how are you going to do your homework or get an annual physical or maintain social relationships. So what you found is like this, this level of happiness becomes the spectrum depending on, you know, certain factors and certain variables. And then conversely, feeling happy might sort of encourage one to, I guess, afford the comfort to seek out additional things, additional activities that, that sort of produce more of those good feelings. So business ventures, social relationships, leisure activities, and then those can sort of compound into more happiness. So either way you get going, you can sort of build the momentum. Again, I think you can come up with counter examples to these. That's really not the point. The, the point of this part of this discussion right now is just to understand that this is a, a way of thinking about how when you market to someone, you might guide what they're going to do more or less of. So let's do some concrete imagery. Mm -hmm. So you might 
buy renter's insurance if you observe if, if like if a neighbor has a house fire versus just like seeing a policy that covers a variety of situations. Let's look at this for a few more examples of you might start wearing a mask more or following, you know, behaving with respect to the instru- the restrictions that are in place and during something like a pandemic with COVID-19. You might observe those more strictly, more closely after you see a loved one who's hospitalized with a severe case of COVID-19 or if you yourself experience a severe case of COVID-19. Yeah. Those might sort of increase those types of choices that you make with you experiencing that side of it. Another good example of this would be people have been more likely to donate to charities that will give you a specific face and a name rather than just kind of like a a larger, you know, nonprofit conglomerate, right? Like, so if you see like a child starving in a distant country or or an animal at a shelter, Sarah McLaughlin, insert music here, rather than an abundance of millions of people in need, when you see specific stories, and we'll talk about storytelling later, but when you see specific stories, specific anecdotes, specific events, specific information, that, that focus gives you and motivates you to to engage in certain behaviors on an emotional level. So you can see that essentially they build momentum on either direction that you're sort of going with it. So it's easy to get sort of trapped in a cycle one way or another. And so, for example, if you have some people who are like on vacation, people who are already happy might focus on the aesthetics of the beach, the hotel, what's going well in the vacation that they're on, whereas people who are having a bad time might be more likely to focus on the cost of travel, the inconvenience of being away from all of your things and really, again, have additional unpleasant experiences and emotions around that situation. Yep, absolutely. So then let's take a second. Now that we understand emotions and kind of how we react to these emotions in in this space, let's talk about the strategies that are used in marketing that actually appeal to emotion and drive some of the the marketing decisions that are made in that space. So the first one is feeling is for doing. And this basically operates on the belief that all emotions are tied to unique behavior patterns. And so if a company wants a particular behavior to occur, then they need to produce a particular emotional response that makes the behavior more likely to occur in that space, right? Or less likely to occur depending on if they're marketing against something else, right? So some examples of this would be selling clothing. You trigger pride in a certain type Type of uh, feeling, right? Like I wear this clothing because I'm proud of, you know, my political party. I'm proud of the city I live in. I, I love this place. Like we just went to Kennedy Space Center not too long ago and you could buy all kinds of NASA stuff. And some of it's funny, like where it says, I need my space. And some of it's just like really de- like designed well, but you know, like those types of things, like it produces social attention. It produces like some kind of reward in that, in that kind of aspect. Yeah. People are going to look at your shirt and comment on it. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, 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 that's a knee slapper. That's clever. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In addition, you have the steering customers away from competition, as we mentioned before. And so this has got some some trigger fear showing negative consequences of using a competitor's product, doing a side a side by side comparison where it's like our brand of paper towel picks up 10 times more than other leading brands that we will not mm-hmm. mention Thanks, by Bronnie. name. Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. You, you were getting away from that. <laughs> the way you said it could be either one. It could be the competitor or the primary ad. Does, it doesn't matter. They're, they're all <laughs> going to do the same thing, you know, but that's the idea here is to try and get you to avoid things that they don't want you to do. And then donations, like when we talk about that, they typically trigger guilt, which is going to prompt the customer to resolve their own past sins or to engage in behavior because they feel guilty about a certain situation. And so that's kind of like a relief situation. I want to avoid these bad feelings. So I feel better when I donate. I avoid this bad feeling or this kind of like this heavy burden that I carry in that space. It's the only reason I donate. It's my guilt. 
Yeah, not because I want to do good <laughs> at all. And I guess the point of me even saying that is just to make sure it's clear that there are multiple reasons that people are motivated to do these certain things. But this is go- this is again, this is under the header of the belief in this marketing space that if you focus on producing an emotion, then you'll get a specific type of behavior. Right. Not to say that like we are necessarily endorsing that that is exactly how those emotions or behaviors work together. Yeah, absolutely. All right. The next one. So that was the feeling is for doing strategy. The next strategy is mood congruence. And this is meet the customer where they're currently at emotionally. So if they've just left a crappy job and are looking for sort of a a rediscovery or a rebirth of themselves, if you will. Mm-hmm. You can pretend like they're a baby and pretend like you're birthing them. <laughs> Just kidding. Which is going to lead into our sex work episode at some point. Yeah. No, we're, we're setting up all kinds of stuff for the future here. <laughs> yeah. I love it. You can sell them on an adventure backpacking trip to South America or the Appalachian Trail or doing the Lord's work in a developing country. So you can you can sort of try and use that emotion that they already have to move them toward this new pattern of things you want them to do. This is a good time to like, I have a really big ask. I need someone who's in an emotional flux right now to make that, mm-hmm. that request of them. Yep, absolutely. And that's how you get eat, pray, love. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh my God. That was a very yeah. poignant observation. Pow. Yep. <laughs> now, if the person is looking ready to snap from some kind of aggravating or stressful job, like, you know, it's hard out there for a TikTok social influencer in their parent funded Upper East Side, two bedroom standing desk. We work wannabe loft. Also working nights at a celebrity prayer candle boutique. You know, it's tough, tough gig. Then sell them on a trip to a quiet beach island. All right. In the above case, maybe a ticket to the next fire festival will be fine. <laughs> ja Rule, where are you at? It was the Kardashians who like rented the island during COVID so they could all go party there and not wear masks uh-huh. social distance. Yeah. And then they were like, we're all in the same boat. It's like, no, no, there's a storm and you're in a yacht. <laughs> and then finally, there's the for, for this mood congruence thing. Again, we're just meeting people where they're at. So you have these what you might describe as negative emotions, these unpleasant emotions And that might prompt people to try and seek an incongruent experience, which is to contradict whatever circumstances are making them unhappy. So, for example, Cheryl Strayed's story depicted in her memoir and the movie Wild about her choice to journey through the West Coast following difficult experiences with death and drugs. This is people who are like go to a bar for a rebound after a breakup. Mm -hmm. People who go to Black Friday shop. Just yeah, kidding. right. <laughs> just, just period. Just leaving it there. It just, yeah, that's it. <laughs> and then conversely, when folks are happy, they typically seek to extend that feeling by engaging in similar experiences. Party on, Garth. Party on, Wayne. It's <laughs> so another one too they'll use is this idea of past and present or future experience, right? So they'll they'll try to kind of tie it all together and loop it into this like long timeline that hits on certain beats. Like, you know, when you talk about past, you're going to cater to someone's nostalgia, which, you know, I don't know how much support there is for this, but they say our generation is like one of the most nostalgic generations, but also the 90s were the best ever. And, you know, when you listen to like radio music, like we grew up in the 90s where like alt rock was probably at its peak because now we have like, you know, we grew up with Soundgarden. We didn't have to deal with Audio Slave. Okay. So Facts. when we were growing up, you had infomercials for like the Beatles one album, which was great, you know, which was like just all of their number one singles. 
or new consoles that look like Sega and have all the classic games preloaded on them that you can go buy. Yeah. I have a Super Nintendo sitting right here that is one of those systems. Nice. Nick at Night, Disney Plus, they all tap into our desires for nostalgia and accessing similar emotions from our youth, no matter what your generation is, right? They, they This is how nostalgia works. So it's like it taps into, oh, I remember that when I was a kid. That feels good. And they market towards those feelings. Maybe we should do an episode on just nostalgia. That might be fun. Yeah, that would be fun. Yeah. That would actually be a blast because then we could talk about like Rugrats and Ninja Turtles and just Nickelodeon cartoons when we were kids that were super inappropriate. Right? <laughs> Ren and Stimpy. We could talk about Ren and Stimpy. We could talk about Sega games like Altered Beast. Talk about Animorphs again. And again, we could talk about Nerf guns again. We could talk about wild and crazy kids. Oh, man. <laughs> All right, moving on. So again, <laughs> orienting one to the sort of timeline that they're in. Another one is, again, focusing on the present. And this is the idea that people who are focused on the present seem to choose sort of more calming options as if to sort of maintain the status quo of their stability. Mm -hmm. This is people who are buying their essential oils with uh, lots of lavender and that sort of thing. Yeah. Oh, they smell so nice. Don't <laughs> consume them, though. We talked about that on an episode. Don't consume them. Not for eating, for smelling only. Yeah, for smelling only, please. All right. And then future is going to be, you know, when people are focused on the future for future excitement, future hope, things that are going to improve your life going forward. Right. And so unfortunately, the future is usually correlated with some kind of self-control, such as responsibly saving for your retirement versus throwing all your money on uh, right on red right now at the roulette wheel. Right. Or the roulette wheel. I say I always say roulette. It is roulette, right? It's roulette, a roulette table. You got it. I'm not from a place where gambling is a thing. So like, I don't understand it, but you know, that type of future planning appeals to certain emotions and it has certain emotional hooks. And we have to talk about those two to understand how these things come up. So we originally were going to extend this. So Shane, you just set up talking about these emotional hooks. And I think that's a great sort of teaser cliffhanger sort of thing. We were going to try and record this all as one, but we have so much content still to cover that I think we actually want to maybe end this one here and we'll do this in a second part where we will wrap up this discussion on emotional marketing. We're going to get into, again, some of these emotional hooks, some of these additional strategies, a little bit more of how it works, why it's effective, all that sort of thing. So I think we'll end this one a little bit early so that we can have a further discussion in part two. Is that cool with you? That works for me. I think I think it makes sense. So, all right. Well, then we'll do some quick take home points for what we've covered so far, which is that when we're talking about this emotional marketing, essentially, this is a way of some campaign, usually one that's going to be trying to get you to spend money on something. But it, it could be other things like it could just be actions it wants you to take or that sort of thing. But usually they want you to buy something and what they're going to try and influence you to do that by essentially setting up a situation that motivates you by, I guess, trying to elicit an emotional reaction in you. Fear, anger, joy, nostalgia, whatever it might be. That's sort of what this is and what, and I guess how it works. And there are three primary goals that are related to this type of marketing. You've got branding, purchases, and consumption. So essentially what they want to see is they want to make sure that your branding is good so it's consistent, it elicits the emotion, it elicits the responses out of the customers. You want to see that kind of movement towards the purchase, right? Which is the actual behavior that produces the bottom line for most places, at least on a singular event. And then 
They want consumption. They want that, that whatever that consumption is for that product to be fantastic so that you continue to engage with that product so that they, it kind of gets back into purchase consumption, purchase consumption, purchase consumption. But those three goals, branding, purchase, and consumption are really the points that they try to get at with this type of marketing. And then you know, getting into some of the strategies, a lot of this has to do with essentially trying to either start with where you are and use whatever your emotional state is to move you towards something or simply try and create an emotional state so that you do something. And in addition to that, there's the other one of really trying to lean on either your nostalgia for the past, your focus on the present, or your goals for the future as other ways to sort of manipulate your emotions to get you to do some specific consumer thing. I couldn't sum it up better myself. So, <laughs> Yes, I win. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I, I did it. Yeah, that's that's what we're gonna do from now on. We're gonna just like one up our take home points to see how long we can make that go. All right. Well, shall we do some recommendations? Let's do it. Cool. Recommendations. All right. So I'm gonna start by recommending a movie that I saw recently, although it's not a recent movie, called Cooties. It came out in 2014, starring Allison Peel, Elijah Wood, and Rain Wilson. This is essentially a one of these horror comedies that is a lot more comedy than horror, but it focuses on, we'll just say it focuses on zombies and leave it at that, where they sort of call the infection cooties. <laughs> <laughs> it's very, very funny. I was just in stitches the whole time. I was laughing so hard. So I strongly recommend it. I believe at the time that we're recording this, it is available on Amazon Prime. You know, I don't think Rain Wilson gets enough credit for the work he did outside of the office. Like, dude, is pretty funny. He's super super funny. is really great, too. I haven't seen that one. That one's on my list. Yeah, super is great. It's got like Michael Rooker and Elliot Page and Ooh. a few people. And it. it's like you're like, it's great. It's wonderful. So I love these people. I mean, as actors, I don't really know them as people. Yeah, as, pe- as people, I, I have no opinion. But as actors, love watching their work. So my recommendation this week is a band called Sharks Keep Moving. They were a kind of an indie rock, like almost like a shoegazy type of band out of Seattle in the late 90s, early 2000s. It was fronted by a man named Jake Snyder, who went on to form Minus the Bear and became like an indie hit with uh, the guitar player from botch. So if you've ever heard botch, they sound like a crazy tech metal band. And so it's very strange to kind of meld that, but sharp keep moving was the first band that he put out a lot of records with that was that kind of gained some notoriety had members of another band called Waxwing, which was also great out of that time. But sharks keep moving had one full length, a couple EPs and they kind of disappeared off the face of the earth, but came back once, once minus the bear kind of picked up some traction. Definitely worth listening to the first full length. It's just titled Sharks Keep Moving. There are only four songs with vocals and three instrumental records or three or four instrumental songs on it. But just a nice mellow listen for a good rainy day. Huh. Yeah. Release the Sharks Keep Moving Snyder Cut. <laughs> That's my favorite hashtag right now. Yeah, it's great. Cool. Anything else on this topic? Not until the next episode. All right. Very, that's a very fair point. Yeah, there will, there will be more. All right. Before we go, we want to thank our Patreons, Justine, Selena, Megan, Mike, and Shauna. If you would like to join the list of people receiving things, hey, consider joining us for as little as a dollar a month. It definitely helps mm-hmm. out. We appreciate everyone's support. Thank you so much for recording with me today, Shane. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Alan, for his notes on this and uh, his his great contributions and jokes. And they will continue into the part two of this episode. 
this is only half of our discussion, so please join us next week so you can catch the cliffhanging resolution to what are the emotional hooks that you'll find in emotional Mm -hmm. marketing. Yep. If you are an emotional marketer or if you are in cooties or sharks keep moving, then please reach out to us. We definitely love to hear from you. And if you just want to say hi, want to make any recommendations for future episodes, you can find us on all the social media platforms. You can email us directly at info at www.podcast.com. You can find out more about these episodes by going to our website, www.podcast.com. From there, you'll find all kinds of links and show notes and episodes and pictures of the team. So yes, join us there. Thank you so much, Shane. This is Abraham. And this is Shane. We're out. See ya. You've been listening to Why We Do What We Do. Why We Do What We Do is supported in part by our amazing patrons. Thank you. If you like what you heard, consider becoming a patron by heading to patreon.com slash podcast. You can also rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts or share this episode with your friends. If you have any comments or questions, we'd love to hear from you. Find us at podcast on your favorite social media platforms. You can learn more about this and other episodes by going to www.podcast.com. There, you'll find links as well as detailed and shareable show notes. Why We Do What We Do is researched and produced by Abraham, Ryan O, Shane, and Miranda. Artwork and logo design by Andrew Pollock at nogdesigns.com. Video and production assistance from Tyler Brassier with music courtesy of Justin Greenhouse. Thanks for listening, and we hope you have an awesome day. Oh, uh, that was a terrible segue. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Let's try that again.